Welcome to Gritty Girls, the podcast. I'm Jillian Christie, and my passion and calling is really all about helping as many women realize that they have a scalable superpower, grit. If you're into hearing from badass, world-class women who just happen to be top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and activists on how they achieve their loftiest goals despite their greatest life challenges, then you don't want to miss the Gritty Girls podcast. Your journey to get inspired by phenomenal women around the globe and to learn how to cultivate more grit in your life starts now. An unequivocal musical prodigy, singer, saxophonist, songwriter, composer, and band leader Grace Kelly has rocked the jazz world with sold-out concerts, 13 acclaimed albums, and a resume that includes performing at the Hollywood Bowl and as part of the house band for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, all before reaching her mid-twenties. Proud to call her my friend and more than elated to share her inside and out gorgeousness with y'all right now. During our combo, we chat a lot about the plight of pleasing, how to live on your own terms, and just how to strengthen and maximize your seemingly finite self-discipline in your gritty girl tool belt. It's funny because I was trying to um, remember where we first met, and I think it was I was IG stalking you a few years ago, maybe, to get you out to, to New Hampshire. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to remember. That definitely was where you physically first met. So yeah, that's, I think that's the story. That's, I love that. So the funny. And I'm stalking ever. I do stalking, right? And I'm so grateful. You know, I slid into your DMs and you were like, yeah, let's do this thing. And we started talking and oh my gosh. And it was just such a treat to have you in that picturesque New Hampshire, right? Like how beautiful. Is yeah. it at Bretton Woods there? It's gorgeous. And I have just the sweetest memories of being there with everyone. And it really feels like we were in a whole nother world. Totally. You're just kind of isolated and living the dream, really. It, it actually might be a great place to quarantine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I you think know. beauty everywhere. Nature, beauty, yeah. just the mountains, the majesty, all the things. Uh, speaking of, of beauty and majesty and all the things, like, so Miss Saxophone Prodigy of all time. I love that's how whenever I MC and I'm introducing you in at, at an event, I'm like, the saxophone prodigy of our age, you know, and I go into this greatest, thing. Greatest <laughs> intro. It was so good. Nailed it. All the stuff. Thank you. Thank, thank oh. you very much. You know, no, but I, I always love introducing you because I am such an ambassador of everything Grace Kelly. And I, I mean, I love your music. I love your style. I love, you know, just your energy, everything about you. You're such a lovely human inside and out. And you have a talent that is just timeless. Um, I would, I want to like get down to like, you know, what age were you when you're like, you know what, I'm going to pick up the saxophone. Yeah. I mean, Jillian, that means so much. And the love is so, so pounding in my heart all the way back to you and the, the memories of us, of t- us together and 
partying after and just having like the best time dancing, singing, um, cocktailing. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's see. So I first started the saxophone at the age of 10, but before that, my first introduction to music was age of six. It was playing classical piano. My, that's something that my mom thought would be great for both me and my sister to learn just some basics of music and, and piano. And ever since I could talk, I was supposedly singing. Mm. That part, I, I don't even remember when it started because it was just <laughs> as natural as talking and breathing. And from that very young age, I fell in love with creativity. I, I'd often be in my room dancing, singing, writing skits, just like entertaining myself. I, all I really needed was like a mirror and I didn't really even need, I don't know, any toys or anything. I was just good to go from a young age. Um, and I'd always love to present my creative work to my family. You know, when they come home from work, this, this is a little later on, you know, I was like maybe seven or eight. And I'd always say, hey, I wrote a song. Do you want to hear it? And they'd always be so excited to hear it. And I just got so much joy from creating stuff and then sharing it and seeing how that connected all of us. Um, saxophone was something that I knew one day I wanted to play that instrument. It completely called me. The first time I heard saxophone playing on a recording with Stan Getz, he was playing um, Girl from Ipanema. And my parents were playing a lot of Brazilian music, Jobim, Astrid Gilberto. Girl from Ipanema was on like repeatedly. And I fell in love with his sound, his how he, he sounded like a singer when he played saxophone. I'd sing along with all his solos. And in the back of my head, I was like, I really love this instrument. One day, one day I want to play it. I had to go first through playing clarinet in public school. Um, and then, you know, I was just too impatient at that point. They wouldn't let me start on saxophone. I kind of had to like graduate to sax. So I was, I begged my parents. I'm like, can I please start now? And so they rented me a beautiful, um, Yamaha student saxophone and the, literally the first time I put it together was with my music teacher put it together blew into it and I was like this is it I felt this instant connection I was like this is the sound I've been hearing in my head I couldn't get it before mm -hmm. with clarinet it was so frustrating with saxophone I was like that's the sound in my head now it's here and I just started to really excel and become obsessed like obsessed wow that gave me that gave me goosebumps because it's kind of like falling in love you just knew you know it's like I now know this is the thing this is what's been and it's so beautiful you're like this is what I've been hearing in my head this is what I've imagined all this time and and uh that's so cool and it's interesting right because you're at this young age you're practicing all the time your, you know, and in your mind as a child, it's just fun for you, right? It's just fun. This is amazing. This is great. Yeah, All the while you're cultivating this self-discipline, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause at some point, and I know I see you all the time, especially on the IG and all the things you're, you're playing and you're having so much fun. Like you're having fun always, but I know it gets to a point too, where it's like you, you pass a threshold of, mm -hmm. okay, now I need to practice to get better and yeah. I need to push myself and I need to, you know, you know, surpass like these next steps to get to the next level. At what age were you like, 
you know, really cultivating that self-discipline where it was no longer just like, Hey, I'm going to make up, I'm going to try this new song and play it for my family. Right. Yeah. That, um, that came when I started saxophone. So there was like the love at first sound thing, you know, and I was having so much fun. My teacher was like, go ahead and make up your own songs, improvise. Awesome. So that was like the first couple of months. And then he said, now we're going to learn scales like music theory. And that was a form I didn't know it back then, but that was the very beginning of really hunkering down and learning um, a language, learning the rules with it. And honestly, it was really hard for me at first to start learning theory and to develop that dis- discipline. And I remember working on major scales, which is you know essential if you're going to learn you know, theory and music. And I would kind of half bake my way in my practice sessions. I come to my next lessons and wouldn't get through my scales. And at one point, my teacher, who I love so dearly, said, Grace, I cannot learn the scales for you. You can either do the work at home and like do it, um, or we can keep kind of wasting time here. And you're not going to be able to get to the fun part. Believe me, put in the work, do the, you know, learn this stuff, and it's going to get so much more fun. And I felt like so upset that, that, you know, he said that in a loving way, but I cried my way home from that lesson, just being like, oh, all right. I feel like I let my teacher down, but I'm going to learn my major scales. And I did. And, and that, you know, what, from that point, it really became, I'm going to practice every day. I'm going to obsess over learning this new song. I'm setting goals. I'm going to, you know, get into this you know, program and simultaneously a lot of organic opportunities were happening and each one of those opportunities, whether it was, you know, um, getting to perform in front of Harry Connick Jr. at, at a, um, a recital or um, getting an invitation to sit in with Dave Brubeck, jazz legend, every single one of those, I had to kind of sprint to get to that line of I'm prepared, I'm ready. And yeah, that's where the, the discipline and the work really comes in. And I'm incredibly grateful that I started to learn that from a very young age And I learned the process of trying to get better at something, you know, failing, getting back on your feet, learning stuff, getting feedback, trying again, um, and, and how that works and ultimately seeing, wow, I've made progress, you know, and that's a huge thing to kind of click Mm -hmm. in one's brain from a young age and, and my whole life. So, you know, to this point, I've been chasing that feeling. I love that feeling of excellence so much of refining, of going forward. Yeah. And you bring up a great point. I mean, when you're so young and you, you tap into that, you know, that self-discipline, whether it's encouraged by a teacher or a parent or a mentor of sorts, you know, you have this huge advantage in life because you've, you've seen the other side of what it could look like so young. And now you have almost like a, like a playbook to refer to, right. Your whole life. So, I mean, I guess, and you're talking about, you know, you fail, you get feedback, these things, and all of that is a part of that process. Mm -hmm. What kept you going? What kept you when you did fail or when you did, and and what, what were those failures? You know, was Mm -hmm. it, did you mess up in a, in a show? Did you, you know, not reach your goal of some sort and how, what kept you going? Yeah. I mean, so from the early days, there might've been something of just like messing up, you know, at a a recital or performance and beating myself up about it, even though, you know, I might've been the only one who knew, but I was horrified, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And later on when things really became a career, um, 
you, my career was developing, I had some, some stories about, you know, um, about getting into obstacles and failure and, and figuring out, you know, how to pivot and, and, and get out of it. Um, there is one point, uh, I'm just going to leave this, this artist nameless just for privacy reasons, but, um, I had this vision in my head. This is, you know, a few years ago when I, at this point, I've been recording many albums, touring the world with my band. I had this vision for my record and I really wanted to have some special guests on it. And I, I, I knew this person, you know, and, and I kind of went on after the hunt of, all right, how do I contact this, this artist? And, and I, I had this vision of the song and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, schedules weren't really lining up and um, we're kind of both in different different places. And, you know, I remember it was kind of getting to that point where I was like, all right, this is either going to happen, my vision for the project and trying to get it in front of this person or it's not. And I was so convinced of myself, like, oh, it would just be so satisfying, awesome. I know it could just be this special piece of work. And so it kind of ended up that... Um, I flew all the way to New York and was able to present it in person to this person with, with perfect timing of, uh, you know, being with them and, and finally getting to say like, Hey, this is my vision. What do you think? And this is after trying so many times, so many different ways. Um, and yes, we had a personal connection, but when you're trying to figure out some of the stuff with timelines and really lock it in, it gets very fluid, you know, <laughs> and, and literally everything happened so fast of like, yeah, let's record it tomorrow, you know, and I had to figure out right there, okay, how are we going to record it? Couldn't get into the recording studio way too late to like book anything. So figured out how to remotely do that. And everything was a whirlwind and it was just awesome. Like it came together. The vision was beautiful. Um, but I, I kind of realized before going in for that ask, you know, in that moment, which I was honestly kind of terrified to do. Mm. Like, I don't know if it's the right fit is, is this, but whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to ask. Put yourself out there. I put myself out there and I think every moment I've put myself out there, it's absolutely terrifying mm. in the moment that it happens. And afterwards, I'm so grateful for the opportunity for, for growth. Even if something didn't happen, you know, I'd still be like, wow, I did that courageous act of getting out of my comfort zone. And I asked that person or I, I did that, you know, um, I performed in front of John Legend singing his song, honoring him. I was freaking terrified. Like, are you kidding? I was just like, oh my God, you know? And, and at one point in the middle of singing to him, he stood up and he blew me a kiss. And I was like, oh my God, like my heart was going to fall over. I was so nervous. And it kind of just takes that moment of stepping out on stage, doing the thing or, you know, picking up the phone or flying somewhere to get in front of someone to get that opportunity. Um, I've had a whole range. Another thing that came to mind, Jillian, was uh, I was recording my album, Go Time Live in LA, a few years ago. And... Um, it was a really big project for me because I have a pretty small team. And at this point, the reason why the record and, and the video production was able to happen is because my fans uh, took part in a crowdfunding process and they are, they were financing the the project and it was not cheap. And so, so grateful to my mm -hmm. peeps for 
you know, for being part. But I was over my head. I was like really over my head with this project. You know, I'd taken on so much. Um, I didn't have the music written for our recording session, which I basically had a whole week of tour lined up with my band. And the last date was going to be the recording session live in front of an audience in LA, which I was simultaneously like figuring out VIP tickets and like how all of the production was working, leading the production team. And um, I just remember nearly having a, I think I had my first panic attack at that point. I also wasn't doing well emotionally. I wasn't like, you know, mentally prepared for that. And it was also my first tour that I was, leading my band as tour manager, just a lot of of Mm. stuff. And, um, you know, I could have just threw in the towel right there and canceled the whole production. It's a a thing that basically my whole fan base knew about, was looking forward to, because I was just stressed out of the moon. And I remember I didn't even have the music ready. I literally was was writing music every night and then giving it to my band and they were learning it. And then I was like, this has got to be memorized in three days. We literally flew in to record that live show an hour or like four hours before the production and everyone was tired and exhausted and we couldn't think right. And, and somehow we did it. I would do a lot of things differently today, <laughs> but it was miraculous. It came through. It was a beautiful piece of work. People were so pumped Wow. But again, not to say it was a failure because it happened. I really don't believe failure is a thing until you decide that's it. I'm done. I threw in the towel. And then it's just that you quit. I think mm-hmm. that you always pivot. I really, really do. Um, if it's not going the way that you think, you got to reassess and then figure out, all right, what are we going to do from here? And as long as literally keep moving and you figure out what's the other way I can do this. How can I go around this? You know, who can I ask to help set this up a different way? Uh, How can I strategize differently? As long as you, you do that and you keep going, then I don't think you can ever fail. Oh, that's so, so true. I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, failure is like a, it's a mechanism we use to, sometimes we put it in a nice light as like a lesson learned, but sometimes it's like, it definitely, the negative connotation is what comes up usually. Right. But I think if you, if you shift your perspective to thinking like there's no failure, there's just, it didn't work out the way it was like planned, then there's no failing. There's just pivoting and there's going around sometimes. And sometimes the quickest way, you know, to, to point B isn't through, it is around it's, you know, pivoting as you say, and finding different solutions to, you know, mishaps or, or whatever's going on. Um, and you, you mentioned, you know, the only failure is like quitting or throwing in the towel. Have you ever in your, I mean, you, you've done so much in your career. Like it's, it's incredible. The amazing uh, accomplishments and achievements and just the really cool scenarios you've found yourself in. I mean, Barack Obama inauguration, you played at his inauguration, which is wild. You, you mentioned, and we'll talk more about this, but the John Lennon uh, songwriting competition, insane, amazing. You won that. I mean, in all of that time, um, even with these incredible accomplishments, have you ever had a moment like, I'm just, I'm done. I can't, this is a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. next. I have had temporary moments like that where everything was so, whatever the situation was, I remember at one point, you know, 
was working so hard on this project. And then it's like the team kind of everything changed and the producer was now not, I wasn't working with him anymore. And it was just all a lot for me to emotionally process. And it was just a very different plan than what I was initially, again, what you mentioned, like, you know, how I thought it was going to go. And a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but I, I, I'd, I'd really encourage listeners and viewers to think about if it's not going the way you planned, you know, there might be a reason for that. It might actually turn out way better, or there might be a lesson within how it plays out that, that you need to learn the universe or what, whatever's coming at you is, is on, is usually, I, I can speak from my past, ex, my experiences, same challenges kind of come up mm-hmm. until I'm ready or until I'm able to, to stand there and be like, all right, let's figure this out. You know, Man, do you, do- this thing just, <laughs> you know, you just keep popping up, you gosh darn confrontation or you keep <laughs> popping up like, um, you know, and then it's the moments that I finally have kind of developed myself to that point where I'm ready to look at that challenge mm-hmm. and be like, all right, we, we all have those, right? We all have those in our career lives, in our personal lives. I mean, there's always that, gosh, why do I, what, what lesson am I, am I supposed to learn from all of this? Because it seems to keep coming back into my life. Is there a specific example of something personally or professionally that you're just like, gosh, you know, like I keep seeing this thing and what, what's the lesson you finally decided, like, I'm going to learn this so it can, I can move on from this scenario. Yeah, that's a great question. And I have an amazing coach that I work with who over the last year has really helped me, you know, together unravel this process of like, what are the things that keep holding me back? And Mm -hmm. for each person, they're going to be different, you know, and how, now, how can we look at the stories, literally stories that I've written for myself since I was like, you know, six years old, things I've learned in childhood, things that I've never challenged or never thought about now that I'm an adult and how, you know, how can we now part the part ways with that and write new stories? Mm-hmm. And so a big thing for me has been, I grew up as a bit of a, a people pleaser. And I think this is probably a common one. A lot of people in this, and maybe might go as far to say as for women mm-hmm. and, you know, but as an entertainer and as a performer, I love this is a euphoric feeling when people are like, yay, rah, rah, rah. That was awesome. A lot of, you know, a, a lot of that. And the thing that I've come, a, come up against is if I'm people pleasing and, and an oppor- and something comes up, you know, and I, I don't feel like it's the right fit or it's, you know, um, it just, it say it doesn't work for me internally in my soul, but my people pleasing part is like, Oh, just do it. You know, even if it's detrimental to my health, to my spirit, just for the fact of, okay, I love this person that I'm, you know, that I'm working with. And I had a really hard time setting boundaries. So unfortunately when it ended up happening with that between boundaries and, um, having a hard time with confrontation is, as soon as, you know, and this is something that as a performer, there's so much incoming, right? You have different team members, you have fans, there's so much coming in. And I, I hold my, my circle of, of friends and, and peeps closely. And I'm really grateful for that. But even then, there's so much coming in and as people pleaser and, and to avoid confrontation, I'd be like, yes, yes, let's do that, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly 
internally I'm getting trampled. I'm emotionally exhausted. I don't have any, you know, thing left in the tank and I'm, I'm stressed because I'm living my life to, to check those boxes to please other people. So that's been like a really big thing that I've been working on this year of like realizing I'm writing a new story for myself of, you know, when I am clear of what I what's true to me and my voice and my authenticity and, and, and I speak my truth, it's ultimately going to be a lot more powerful in a positive light for whatever relationship I'm talking to, because I'm doing it for me. That person's doing it, you know, speaking from their heart, we come together and there's no, you know, I thought you wanted this and, you know, you said that. And, you know, if I'm in, I'm like, I'm, I'm all in and I'm very clear. Yeah. where are those boundaries or what do I not feel? And, and thank you for sharing that because I think you're right. I don't think you went too far when you said, I think it's, it's even more commonly, a, a, you know, a woman struggle. Um, I know that that's a struggle of mine as well. And, and it, within the struggle of, okay, I have to learn how to set boundaries better and, you know, for my sanity, for my physical and my mental and my emotional health and well-being. Um, setting boundaries, just the act of them is so hard if you're not used, if it doesn't come as a default. Um, People pleasing, we are very fluid in our boundaries and we're willing to, you know, give ourselves a a lot further and cross, you know, and we're even crossing other people's boundaries by giving too much, right? Like Mm -hmm. in in some instances. And, and so it's such a good point. Um, and, and it, you bring up a lot when you're talking about like knowing your truth and knowing like what's true for you and what feels good for you. That's even hard, right? Because what, what we have to retrain ourselves or anyone who people pleases, what you have to retrain is that it, you, can, you have to take your happiness, your joy, your satisfaction out of the hands of the people you've been giving it to, right? Because when you're a people pleaser, you're essentially handing over your worth, your, your joy, all the things. And it's up to those people and their validation towards you to feel good. And that's, and that's dangerous all the way around. Um, and you know, we know that it's, it's something, you know, you're an, you're an intelligent woman, you know, conceptually, it's just hard when you've grown up, like, like as a performer, especially like, this is what I do. I I make people happy doing this thing. So, and, and another aspect of that as a performer is like, all right, if I'm going to now start to pivot my music or try something different, and if I'm so worried and caught up about what everyone thinks, I'm constantly trying to please Lisa and Michael and Joan and John. It's like, okay, but then, but, but originally, I think a lot of those people are attracted to me and my music because it came from here. Mm. So if I'm suddenly now like, you know, creating s- stuff for everyone else without, you know, going within or being like, no, I really do want to create this crossover album or like, no, I really want, and, and kind of having the confidence to do that and be like, you know what? Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. Like as long as I feel totally at peace here and can authentically be me and behind it, then I'm going to do it. But it's, you know, it sounds easy to say it's Mm -hmm. incredibly, I've gone through some moments that are just so heart-wrenching because I'm either talking to family members or, you know, dealing with choices that feel very emotional for me. And, and so it's, you know, and, and the thing about making decisions sometimes is those monkeys in our brain, 
that are saying, you're not good enough, you know, you're not ready, just constantly shadowing doubt and negativity to be able to like separate those monkeys or to just be aware of them and see them. And instead of letting it take over, being like, thanks for your feedback. (laughs) Cool. Now I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And they kind of quiet down, but I find it really takes practice. Like I totally regular meditation. I'm like working on this stuff constantly because it's, you know, with my coach and like, and just growing my kind of awareness of, of, of myself because it's so present some days, you know, and, and it's hard to, um, sometimes very challenging to turn off. Totally. And I, and to your point, self-awareness is always that first step, right? Like once you're even aware, even if nothing is changing, you're still having those, those sidebar conversations in your mind of doubt, the simple like act of being aware of it now takes so much power from it. Right. Cause now it's no longer your truth. Now you're, you're witnessing this other voice talking. It's not the truth voice talking any longer, you know? Right. Uh, so that's, that's such a cool thing you bring up. And, and, you know, I wonder, I know, like you've mentioned, you've had some really hard because it creates a schism in you, right? Like you have this anxiety when you are pleasing, but it's not fully in alignment with you and what's making you feel good. You know, do you have a, an example of a time, whether it, it be like in your career or even personally, you know, where you, you, you know, you were acquiescing for someone else. It was all, it was for the benefit of someone you were pleasing them and it just did not sit well with you. And it, you know, maybe you had some, some struggle with that. Yeah. Um, I started my own company in 2019. And before that I was working with some other, it was some partnerships and um, it got to the point for me where I was up against a lot of this emotionally. I was, there were things that I just would do differently. There was, you know, but I didn't have the tools emotionally back then to be able to really, you know, be able to present those things. And I, I just didn't feel like it was the right setting. And, and so, um, you know, I've been, and, and we've of course have a, a, a long past history. So, uh, I felt like it was one of those opportunities and times to really start my, start my company and do it the way that vision wise that I see, bring in my team, you know, bring in really build, build this thing, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, as keeping partnerships that I'm working with healthy, but just knowing, all right, this is this is my baby here that I'm gonna start. I was absolutely terrified because I, I never started a company before. I didn't even know how to do like I know how to set up an LLC or like get a company credit card, like nothing, you know. And um, there were many times that doubt was coming in and saying, oh, maybe you should just stick to the way things have been going, which was, you know, really emotionally so tough for me. And I, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't able to flourish. And, and another very challenging thing about being an artist is that it's so important that your state and your being is one that you can create from, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're in a place that it's just so constantly anxiety inducing and stressful, it's like, how can I, how can I give, you know, really full heartedly from that place? It's really tough. So, um, that was one of those examples that I was like, all right, I'm just going to figure out whatever it takes to start my own company. I have no idea how to do this. I've always had 
you know, um, other people setting those things up. Um, I, you know, and I'm very, very grateful for those people's support and, and learning from them. But I'm like, this is my time now mm. to go forward, do it the way that I want to do it. And because people were support. wanting you to do it a different way. They were wanting you to. Yeah. I just felt yeah. like it was time to like really have control of how I did things and how to mm. execute them and my creative vision and my creative projects. And not to say the people I was working with, like, were wonderful and supportive and we came together and aligned on certain things. But I was like, I feel like I'm ready now to take like full ownership. That's awesome. And I, I, during that process had so much support and so much help because every step of the way I was like, what the frick do I do here? Like, (laughs) what does this mean? You know, like, how do I organize this? You know, business life. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh God, well, I am definitely a newbie. Like I know how to play sax and sing and all that, but I'm like, this is this is business stuff is wow. Okay. Uh, what? Um, so yeah, no, I totally get it. I know the hardships of the, the startup and all the things and it's, it's rough, man. I totally get it. So kudos to you pulling through. Um, I, you know, I would love to know like what you think, you know, if you were 17, 16, mm-hmm. maybe 18, 16, 17, 18, what advice would you give to your past self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her yeah. in order to really prepare you for this life? It's such a great question. I'd say a couple of things. One is just to like calm the freak down. <laughs> calm your worry wart self. I worried so much, like just a nervous anxiety, worried some wreck inside. I don't think people, people wouldn't see that on the outside. I was very good at performing, but just like always in the state of feeling like the, you know, sky is going to fall down. And, you know, I've been very, very um, grateful in in the last year to peel back a lot of these things and to find some type of peace. And that's something that I'm growing, growing more and more in. But I think, you know, developing one's personal self is really, really important. So I'd say to, to younger Grace, start even then start Mm. really digging into that. It's only going to help your artistry more, you know, the sky is not going to fall down in any of this stuff, you know, besides Um, in 2020, besides (laughs) anything goes in 2020. Yeah. Everything's been happening. Um, And the other thing I'd say is like, I would try to cultivate a little bit more boldness and courageousness when it comes to asking for help and when it comes to figuring out what I need help with. This is still something I'm, I'm working on on a regular basis, and I think it's it's just hard to ask for help. You know, I think there's a lot of us that probably align with that. Of it feels so good to give, you know, to friends, to family. Like I think, you know, for me, when I think of if any of my my friends or people I admire or artists were asking for help. I'd be like, yes, I'm there. I'm like, but when it comes to myself, you know, I've gotten better at this, but it's like, it can be very challenging. But um, I think both giving and receiving are very important and, you know, both have a, a process and are, and are beautiful. I'd say in general, I was sometimes very confused about career-wise what I wanted. So getting clear on that, um, it's always going to shift. It's going to be fluid, but like, don't be afraid of, of your dreams and writing them out and getting clear on that. And then, you know, 
if you are, if you have an idea and you're approaching somebody, just being very clear about what your idea is and what your thing is. Cause oftentimes kind of beat around the bush or be like, you know, something would be so subtle. And I don't even know if it really would come across. I'm not thinking of an exact moment here, but I've just noticed as I've been growing more recently, it's like, if I can get clear about the thing and if somebody can help and is a, you know, and we have a relationship, then to reach out to them and say what you want. Isn't that the funniest, most simple thing you can think about? And yet we are also afraid to just reach out even to strangers, which what's the worst that could happen? They say no, right? Exactly. And, and, and a lot of times what I've found, even in my first go abouts of reaching out to fans to ask them if they would, if they would fund me, if they could make this production happen, I was overwhelmed with, yes, you know, absolutely. And here's a note as well of how much your music has touched my heart and changed, you know, and, and been on my, you know, everyday playing and, and just these gorgeous notes from strangers that I've never met, but they've been connected to me through my music of telling me what my art has meant to them in their life. And it became so much more of than of um, just this, you know, awesome. You guys financially backed me. Thank you so much. It became like, oh my gosh, this is what, what I'm putting out in the world is doing and affecting other people. And now Mm -hmm. I get to hear it from them because I gave a pathway now to be like, Hey, would love to connect with you. And they were right there being like, amazing we're we're here you know and it's so beautiful especially in this in this age in this time you know going back to COVID time it's you know it's kind of redefining how we're connecting right and music has always been a universal connection tool um it's it's languageless it's timeless it's it just kind of transcends all of that and it's no different now in this time. So it's it's really cool. Like, you know, of course you're pivoting business business style and even for sure, you know, where you're performing, when you're performing, if you're performing, but that connection is still there and technology is still there to reach the people and for them to connect to you. And that's such a beautiful thing about music. I so love that. And it I saw, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, it's the reason why through all of, through any hardships that may have come or any momentary moments of wanting to just quit. It's the reason why I kept going because the euphoria that I feel when I connect with somebody, whether it's a live performance, literally playing and dancing with them, or whether it's getting a note from somebody that said, I listened to your song, trying to figure it out every single day to get through a hardship in my life, whether it's connecting with a student, whether it's like, you know, getting to share a piece of music with a friend. It's those beautiful moments that come from connection that I'm like, all of it's worth it to continue. I'm just, I'm so in love with that feeling and of, of that beauty and that magic of, of connection. So just to speak to one of your other questions is just like, I think in my heart and my soul, I always know that that's such a part. It needs to be a part of my spirit, you know, and any type of hardship or failure is not going to stop me in the long run from connecting with others and that really amazing, you know, unity. That's so beautiful. I, I saw a quote actually that you had mentioned. It was kind of when you first started really getting more interactive with your performances and just kind of, you know, being in the mix with the people you had mentioned, like, 
it, you saw so much more growth in you because you got to bring that exhilaration, that euphoria that you feel when you perform for them, you got to be there with them and help them feel it too. That same kind of feeling. And I thought that was so beautiful because usually it's like as an audience, you're receiving this gift and it's great, but to include them in that euphoric I'm giving to you, it's, it's like this cyclical, you know, beautiful, beautiful connection of, of souls, if you will, you know? And I just thought that was so cool that you said that. And so true. I'm giving to you and then you're giving to me and it's a, it's a loop and it's a feedback loop because energy is just cycling through. And, um, you know, just, just to quickly speak on, on, I think, um, when I was talking about that particular quote, I was, I was moving into my artistry where, yeah, I was kind of breaking down the barriers of like, this is the stage, this is the audience. No, I want to go straight out to the audience and I want it to be like a joyous dance party. I learned from being in John Batiste's band and playing in the Late Show with Stephen Colbert in the house band and the way that he would lead, he really brought New Orleans to New York City and we go out in the crowd and people dance and I just saw how people would like, light up and my spirit loved that connection so much. But um, because I've kind of come from my traditional background of jazz, which a lot of times is just much more, you know, it's a little more, it's just more rigid. It's not like pop music where you're dancing and you're singing. It's more like can be very cerebral. And some of my past mentors were like very adamant of you got to just stand there and, and you got to play. But in my heart, my spirit, I was like, well, I love, I love musical theater. I love stories that my first one of my first connections to creativity was dance. So when I saw John start to do this in his way, I was like, oh my God, this is cool. Like, I can do this. And the moment that I finally got the courage to step into that um, as a band leader and to wear my pink fuzzy jackets and to dress up the way I wanted to and to bring in dancers and to make it a full, like go a hundred percent. You know, not like 40, 100%. And I was like, either people are going to love this or they're going to hate this, you know. But what happened is people completely were were in. You know, they were, they got up, they started dancing. It was this miraculous moment where just so much spontaneous joy was happening. And, and you know, it filled my heart with so much love because I was like, this is the feeling mm. that I was, you know, I'm picturing that I that I thrive on. And what ended up happening was, this thing that I was fearing of like, all right, stepping into myself in this way, I just, I was fearing that the jazz police, that maybe like, you know, my mentors, people would look down upon that. But I was like, this is me. This is my truth. This is my authenticity. And if I don't do it this way, I'm going to keep kicking myself. And I just don't want to live with that. I want to just go for it. If it completely flops on its face, whatever, I'll figure out from there, do something different. But what ended up happening is a lot of my fans who were with it, with what I was trying to, you know, with this vision became like super fans. And that was Mm. a very interesting shift. It's like maybe people who kind of like, you know, were checking out, like liking my music. It's like with this invitation to be like, please join me. And we're just going to leave all of our adultness at the door. And let's just like play and have fun and dance and free our spirits because we need this so much. 
It's just like, an expression, right? Like yeah. when people see you expressing your authentic self, it, you're giving so many people permission to be like, oh, just like John Batiste did, did for you. He gave you permission, you know, in a way, not that we need permission from anyone, but, but people being the, their authentic selves and expressing themselves in their most authentic way possible, it just opens that door for all of us. And it helps us go, ah, I see, I can do that too. And it draws people to you. So that's, that's so, so cool. I'm so glad you decided to say, fuck it. This is, this is me. This is me. Exactly. And and it's going to keep shifting and changing, but like, this is me right now. And, you know, please, please Join on this ride if you're feeling it. Yeah. I got as you're saying that, because I I think we that is what happens. It's like we don't need the permission, but we need a safe place to, you know, get back to that childlike, that play-like, that, you know, that the joyousness. Free. Yeah. Music has a very high vibration, you know. And like you were Mm -hmm. saying, because it's not, you know, because it's a universal language and there's something about when you sing things and play melodies, it literally just puts your spirit in a different state. You could say the same words and then you could sing those same words, mm. you know, with a beat and a rhythm and a melody. And it does something different, I think. Totally. It's, but, a, it's but, an energy, so such a different energy all its own and a vibrational energy for certain. And that's science, right? Yeah. That's just, that's yeah. real science right there. Um I I would love to know, like, to what, it, who, rather, I mean, past or present, you know, or one of your favorite gritty girls and, and why, like why you, you look to them and you go, they're badass. I love what they've done. And they push through all the things. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So when I, when I look at my mom, she's an amazing, she's one of the most persistent hardworking women that I know. Irene. Irene. Yes, Irene. <laughs> she's been, she's taught me those traits from such a young age. So she's absolutely a huge influence and a gritty girl. I mean, there's nobody that I've seen in, in my life who consistently gets up. It's persistent, you know, just does, you know, puts in the hard work. And she taught me that from a young age, even when it was, playing piano. It's like, nope, you gotta like practice, you know, and, um, having that structure and having that, um, even though it might've felt tough at the time, like I don't want to practice, but I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for those lessons now. Um, there's a gal on who's, you know, really started as a, a, a YouTube performer and then has now rocketed into stardom. We haven't met yet, but I'm, I, I really, um, respect how she's built her business and her, and her vision. Um, Lindsay Sterling, she plays electronic violin and she's dancing and she's got her whole show. And um, I think based upon, again, we've never met, but based upon the interviews and the things that I read about her and her perseverance and kind of what she went through to really build her empire the way she did as an, still to this day as an independent artist and now with, you know, millions of millions of fans all around the world is incredibly inspirational to me. And, um, you know, the, the, the people who are on her team, Ty Stick Glorious, who is um, on her, her management team, who is also, I, I love, oh my God, love, love <laughs> following Ty on, on um, 
social media and got to DM her a little bit when I was <laughs> performing for John Legend because her and John Legend are partners and didn't get to meet her that night. But I was like, you need to write a book. You're such an inspiration. Um, <laughs> well, let's see, you know, we'll see what we can do to, to make sure there's a meeting of sorts oh one of these God. days yeah. down the road, you know? Oh, <laughs> so just every time I see one of her posts or read something about her, my I'm just so so inspired. And honestly, like I, Michelle Obama listening to, I'm so, so happy. She came out with a podcast. I know. I was so funny, Grace. She came out, I think a week after I did. And I said, Oh, there it goes. There's my competition. (laughs) Let's do this. But I'm so stoked on her podcast. She's, she's just like, you want to sit with her in the living room and just talk things you know so real so like breaking down the walls for us so real so human so much you know leadership um list goes on and these are a few ladies that are popping into my head right now well there it's a beautiful short list I and I agree with all of them and I know the people out there don't know Irene but I personally know Irene and she is super lovely. And all the things you mentioned, just an amazing woman. Um, I, I also, I want to touch on for those of, for those of people that don't know your music, know your style. Like, first of all, I cannot wait to just showcase, you know, all that is Grace Kelly and show them like what I have fallen in love with years ago and what so many other people have fallen in love with. But for those of the people that like don't know that, and don't know about the, I mean, and a little bit about the John Legend uh, songwriting competition too, if you want to talk about that, because you wrote an incredible song. And, and yes, I talk all about your saxophone and that's kind of like your, your bread and butter, that's your baby. But you play a beautiful piano ballad, um, Feels Like Home. And that's the song you won the competition with, right? Yeah. So in, I think it was technically 2018, Yeah, a song of mine called Feels Like Home, which is a love song that I wrote for my boyfriend. Um, Won the the John Lennon Song of the Year, which was an insane, just an insane moment. I mean, at that point, there'd been just thousands of entries and it was getting, it's one of the most prestigious online international songwriting contests. And it was, you know, getting reviewed by all-star celebrity judges such as you know American author and um I think Kevin Bacon there was a lot of different people in different fields uh different genres and feels like home ended up winning the country genre which was wild because oh country huh yeah I thought it you know I think of it as a singer songwriter song but it got entered in a few different genres and I was like all right country it is like (laughs) lady a you want to record this song um and then out of the 10 finalists from every genre, they pick one song of the year winner who gets, um, you know, kind of the, their top prizes and all of the the celebrity judges are looking at. I don't know how they do this because it's like between pop and jazz and country and folk and children's music and heavy metal, they got to pick one winner. So I was incredibly honored. And, you know, they, they wrote a, a really nice, big check, which was awesome. And, but, but mostly it was, um, you know, I, I have always done songwriting and singing because it's been such an important part of my expression. The first time I wrote a song, I was seven years old. I discovered, wow, when I play these three chords, 
I want to sing words and I want to sing a melody. And it became such a beautiful feeling. Mm -hmm. And I realized when people started to sing along with my lyrics, it's a different type of connection than when I'm up with someone playing the sax, which again, amazing connection, but there's something about when we sing songs together, so powerful. So from a young age, one of my dreams is like, I want everybody to sing my song with me, sing along with me. And, um, you know, even though in my career, my songwriting has not kind of been par with accomplishments of my sax playing, because I was specifically also in the jazz world, I just kept doing it. I just was always recording. I would put always my original songs that I was singing on my records. And so when this moment came along, um, it just gave me so much encouragement to be like, you know, in my heart, I of course always want to sing and songwrite, but to get this recognition from the industry as well, really allow me to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm all about it and I'm going to push more into it and really continue, um, crafting my craft there because uh, I think before I didn't have that type of industry, you know, um, push. And, you know, I all, it also made me realize like I'm known a lot, I'm known primarily as a jazz artist, but this, this song came out online and it's got like millions of streams on Spotify. And I've gotten DMs from people all around the world that I've never met who've literally said, I've gotten engaged to your song. Oh. I got, this is my first dance song. I performed this song for a couple that requested it um, during quarantine for my first ever Zoom wedding performance. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just touched people's lives in a way that I, I mean, to me, like getting married could be one of the most important days of somebody's life. And to be part of that intimate moment and to literally get a dm that's like you know page long telling me the whole thing of how it went down and then videos of like them dancing and singing feels like calm on their social media it's just incredible so so moving yeah you 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 touched on something and um and i think it's important to point out you know you were you were having all this great success in the jazz world and playing the sax but all the while in the background due to that passion, you know, for the songwriting and the love of it. And, you know, you kept doing that on the side, like in the background, even though it wasn't like necessarily the forefront of your, of your career. And then it's like that hard work, that perseverance, that passion that was, that was with you that whole time met this opportunity, right? It wasn't just, you know, it didn't happen on accident, you know, that you won this, this song of the year. It was this, this, like furnace inside of you burning that whole, this whole time. And it finally had its, had its time to shine. And I think it's important to point out, you know, it's not always the accolades that keep us going. It's the love of something. It's the passion. It's the, it's the feeling it gives us on the inside. And, and uh, over a long period of time, that's, that's the kind of thing that can come from it. It's so cool. I love, I love hearing that. I had, you know, talking about kind of, um, some of the things we were talking about earlier from, from a young age, when I was singing and I was songwriting, my saxophone playing was just like taking off. I mean, it, you know, in what people would call a prodigy level, although I never penned that term. I, I think of it as very much a compliment, but, um, I did have at some point in my early development, like I'm 13 years old at this point and I'm playing sax, like I'm way more seasoned and older but my voice sounds like 13 year old, you know, and, and it's a really weird time 
in one's young development to start to get like reviews from publications and get so much spotlight. Just, I don't know if I was really, I'd read some of these reviews and some of the things that were like negative would hit me emotionally, like so tough. And at, at some point someone was like, she should just stop singing. Like her voice is not good. Like, I don't know why she's putting these songs on, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there was definitely a skill gap. Yes, I still wanted to get my art out there, my full expression. Um, but I, I really struggled with that because, you know, on one hand, I'm getting all these accolades and, and something's progressing so fast. My sax playing the jazz stuff. And it's like, you know, I could have completely stopped the other part of me, singing, writing. Um, and some people are even saying I should. And this little voice you know, people are telling me to do less of that in my shows, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I was still doing me even from 12 years old and my fans were like loving it. So I'm like, I don't get it. Like they love what they're hearing and they're with me. But then these mean reviewers from like these really established publications will say this stuff. Should I listen to them? Because they're like very important people. But, you know, this little voice inside of me said, you know, if you cut off that part of you that is so such a part of your expression it's like you're cutting off a part of your soul mm. you know and so like you said as long as I kept going with it it kept like just for myself I'll sit down and I'll write a song it's my therapy I'll literally feel better after I write it um at some point when things kind of caught up skill level voice stuff caught up and the opportunity came like you said then um boy was I glad that I stuck in with what my heart was always telling me to do. And I think something for artists to remember, especially as they're coming up and, um, you know, if they're younger artists, it's like, if you're in it for the long haul, there's a lot of things that you can do within your career. And it might not all, you know, you might not get a spotlight on all of the things right in that moment, but it's like, if you have an idea for where you want it to go and you keep developing all those things, then there's going to be a moment where the, where your hard work will meet an opportunity and perhaps that's the time to really step into that thing. That's so beautiful. And it, it goes to show, you know, you, it has to come from within, you know, and what you want and the clarity of your vision. And, mm -hmm. and you said it best, the long haul, if you're in it for the long haul, and if you commit to the long haul, anything is possible. Anything. Um, Gosh, it's so good. I am so happy you came on here. I'm, I feel like there's so many lessons learned and I feel like, you know, I get to share you with even more people that are, you're, I mean, so many people are, you have so many fans, woman, but <laughs> I'm I so excited to continue to advocate for, for, you know, your phenomenal uh, sound and artistry and style and all the things and just the human that you are. So I can't wait for, for people to hear you and get to see what I get to see all the time. And, um, and yeah, and also you have workshops right now, right? I want to send people to your workshops. Do they have to have a saxophone to probably right? Um, right now, uh, right now we're, sp I'm specializing in these workshops for like saxophone performance and for, yeah, I mean, um, some of them are actually, improvisation based. So if somebody's like beginning to learn jazz, they could, we've had harmonica players join us, pianists. Oh, cool. um, <laughs> so even if you're in your beginning stages of, of music, but you're interested in improv, definitely like these, these uh, education live Zoom workshops are so much fun. I started doing them in the beginning of quarantine and at this point have taught 
over 700 students all around the world in these group lessons. It's been bananas. And I've gotten to connect with so many, so many amazing young talents all around. And we have a really cool community that's just, you know, so happy to be doing music and to be there together um, in these workshops. So yeah, I definitely encourage anyone who wants to kind of step up their, their music, their improv game. Definitely. If you're a sax player, come join us. It's a blast. And people can find out that info just on my, um, on my socials or um, yeah, probably social media is the best place to follow about. Is it, G- is it Grace on- Kelly music? It's G Kelly music, G. Kelly music. On, on Instagram. It's G Kelly music. On, I was uh, going to say that. And then I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter and uh, Facebook um, it's Grace Kelly music. And then my website is gracekellymusic.com. Awesome. And I awesome. thank you so much for having me on your show. This is like, this is such a blast and I absolutely love you and what you're doing in this podcast and, and the whole, um, you know, the grit behind it and, these amazing ladies that you've been having on. So it's just a real Uh, treat. Well, I'm so, I thank you so much for saying all that. It means a lot. It's definitely a labor of love right now. And I'm so happy we get to have you on. I adore you. As you know, I'm going to try to pick up a harmonica and take one of your beginning to last time we were together, you gave me this glorious journal. Oh my gosh, everybody. Julian literally wrote, the sweetest note that made me cry inside and she knows how much I love llamas. And every time I see a llama stuffed animal, I think of you. And um, I think at this point I have like five different stuffed animal llamas all around the apartment, but I want you to know that every time this journal at this point is actually completely full, but it, I, every time I wrote in it, I would think of you and it elicits so much playfulness. I mean, look at this llama on the cover. And so it really became like, my playful creative journal and so it makes me so happy that you that you use it that you love it I saw it and I knew you had to have it (laughs) and your note is the sweetest so thank you oh my pleasure you're the best um I was so happy to to you know I'm glad you use it that's awesome and it brightens your day and it is playful (laughs) I'm gonna keep it now it is full. I like used it every day. And now I like to save all my journals. So now the rest of the world knows and all your fans know. I mean, I, I think they already know, but you love the llamas. I do love the llamas. I love <laughs> them. I think they're so funny. They're they so funny. I once got, okay, so this is super wild. I once performed a concert and after this woman came up to me and said, I know you like to do these video pop-ups in kind of odd places. She's like, I have an alpaca farm. And she's like, yeah, right. She's like, do you want to come and like film a video? I was like, are you kidding me? I am so there. And so I actually got the opportunity to play for her alpacas. And it was hysterical. Like they hated my playing and, and like they all ran for the door. But um, Grace, where is this video? I gotta, I- I'll, I'll send it. I got to repost it for everyone. I'll send it to you. But it's really funny. And I've had a love for llamas and alpacas for a while, but they're just so quirky. They're quirky. Me. They're great. They're, they're very unique. Really quirky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love them too. I especially love them more because you love them. So there's that. Um, what's next, my love? What's next in your world? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's a very weird 
time. I mean, I don't have to say that. Everybody listening knows <laughs> this, is, this is an unusual time. Um, I'm really taking this time with the pandemic to to be able to develop some other aspects of my business, including doing, you know, building an online educational um, community and um, these online workshops. And then I'm also just working on new creative work and figuring out right now how I can do my next virtual show, but kind of do it on a, on a higher level. Um, I think people are getting so creative right now with how to bring in audience virtually. And like, so I'm thinking about, all right, how do I uh, kind of give the feeling of a live performance, not just kind of a live stream thing, but really do a show with my band and well and- let's talk girl because I'm getting into all that digital oh, uh, platforming world so we'll talk that about that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so that's the that's the next that's what I'm currently working on well it's awesome I I can't wait to like see you in in real life after this is all yeah. me too, me it's, too. It's, it's wild it's scary it's uh weird there's so many emotions uh kind of swirling around all at once and I think you know the biggest uh, desire is just for all of us to feel some semblance of normal and connection and, you know, uh, physical touch and, and proximity and all that jazz, all that jazz, literally right all that jazz. <laughs> I didn't even mean to, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very, it's very fitting because right now we're in times where many of us have to improvise. And so Same all that jazz, all that jazz. This has been Gritty Girls, the podcast you come to for your dose of badassery and inspiration from some of the most influential, accomplished women on the planet. Please subscribe today. I would super appreciate it. I'm Jillian Christie. This is Gritty Girls, and we'll see you next time.